Welcome to the Victory XR Show. I am your host, Steve Grubbs, and today we have really an amazing, amazing show because we are finally rolling out the CSI Lab. If you like the show or one of the many CSI shows, now is your chance to actually go on to a crime scene without a real dead person, just a virtual reality dead person, and be that investigator and to do it the right way. Anybody my age remembers the uh, the whole O.J. Simpson trial and, and how that really brought CSI uh, crime scene investigation to the forefront and doing it correctly. Uh, otherwise, you lose your case. So we have two professors from the University of Maryland Global Campus with us today, Susan Blankenship and Justin Baumgartner, and they guided the creation of this uh, based on the curriculum they teach to students on their global campus, working with the uh, Victory XR team of modelers and coders and curriculum specialists. So putting it all together, we are going to tell you about really an amazing um, move forward in the world of teaching CSI. So uh, Susan, uh, thank you for joining us. If, if you don't mind just telling us a little bit about your background and what you do uh, as a professor. Uh, absolutely. Thanks, Steve, so much for having us on. We're very excited about this product and the, the VR capabilities. So as Steve said, my name is Susan Blankenship. And my background, I spent um, 12 years, uh, no, I'm sorry, 16 years as a forensic scientist, uh, many years on the bench performing drug analysis, but also 12 years as a crime scene investigator in conjunction with that and performing a wide variety of forensic science tests, uh, testifying in court, doing all the things that you think about when you think of the CSI shows, but also writing a lot of reports because report writing is a huge part of forensic science that they never show on TV because it's not exciting. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in chemistry, a master's of forensic science, a doctorate in public safety management, and I am a board certified forensic scientist. Woo. That, so. is, that is way too much learning for me. I, I stopped at two degrees and that was too <laughs> So, uh, all right, that's awesome. Uh, before we uh, move to Justin, you teach a course currently at UMGC? I teach many courses currently at UMGC. Um, so I have yet to teach the course that the crime scene, uh, with the crime scene VR, but I do teach the crime scene investigation class. Uh, right now I'm teaching a class on fingerprint analysis and identification. Uh, I teach a variety of, of criminalistics or forensic science classes, including introduction and survey courses and the firearms, in addition to the crime scene investigation and the, the fingerprint class. Well, you are exactly the type of expert that should be helping us build out uh, crime scene investigation in virtual reality. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Well, Justin Baumgartner, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I'm not a forensic scientist. Um, however, I have a uh, previous uh, retired career in policing. Uh, I started off as a uh, state trooper, went to a local municipality, worked as a patrol officer, community liaison officer, became a detective at some point. I uh, was lucky enough to do 
Um, some pretty amazing investigations in the state of Colorado. Uh, someone bribed me to uh, move up in supervision, uh, which was always a uh, an amazing opportunity. We had the most exposure to various crime scenes. And for the size of my department, we processed the majority of them in-house. We were the ones that were doing the uh, the blood analysis. We were identifying fingerprints, removing those, uh, doing the DNA processing, sending them to our crime labs. But a lot of that initial investigatory work fell on our organization within our uh, ranks. My academic work uh, started off as uh, psychology for my undergraduate. And then I realized I liked the uh, policing criminal justice stuff. So I had the dual degree, uh, went with a master's in police administration um, and security administration. And then my PhD work was in public policy and administration, focusing on terrorism and training for active shooter response and how to really engage uh, the academics in all of our uh, public-private partnerships. So we were able to uh, have a lot of these connections on various levels and uh, found myself at UMGC after retirement from law enforcement. And we're working as professors in public safety and criminal justice. Awesome. And, and do you mind if I ask which community in Colorado you worked out of? Yeah, so it was the uh, the city of Glendale. It's a square mile city that's completely surrounded by the city and county of Denver. Uh, it's its own city, part of a different county. However, anything that happened in the larger uh, metropolitan area always fell into our little community. And it, it required a lot of uh, response and a lot of uh, investigatory applications. Yeah, for for mostly for worse. Uh, Colorado is very famous for a couple of very uh, big crimes. And uh, so I would think that Colorado would uh, lead the country in trying to figure these things out with mass shootings and, and the whole Jean Benet Ramsey uh, crime. So um, it, it's very interesting to have someone from uh, uh, Colorado on. So thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Susan. Let's talk about, um, would you contrast, and, and, and I know that you haven't taught with the VR product yet, but we just finished it recently, so I, I wouldn't have expected you to, but talk a little bit about how you teach CSI today and how the, the ability to be immersed in it will make a difference in the learning process. So, UMGC, University of America Global Campus, we are a mostly online university. And we literally teach students mostly from the US military around the world. So being mostly online limits the practical applications of crime scene investigation. And crime scene investigation is one of those items that is best taught by doing. You can read about presumptive blood testing or presumptive drug testing or fingerprint identification. You can read and read and read about it, but until you actually do it, it, it's hard to comprehend how it actually all works. And it goes back to um, muscle memory as you're doing it. The absolute worst place to learn how to do any of this stuff is on an actual crime scene because then you have the possibility of screwing up a prosecution. So at the moment in the quote unquote normal online classes, for instance, to photograph the crime scene, we have the students create a crime scene in their residence or an area where they control. 
that they can then photograph and write a report about. With the VR, we can immerse them in one of these crime scenes and they can take their photographs in there and practice the, the good traits of crime scene photography, taking your overview shots, your middle range shots, your close-up shots of any evidence with and without evidence markers and making sure you capture the entire crime scene as you photograph it. Uh, we can't have the students practice uh, drug identification or uh, presumptive blood testing. Is that red spot really blood? Well, let's test and find out. Well, we can't do that in a normal online environment. We can do that in VR, which is just the most amazing thing. Uh, when you talk about a traditional university, a, a brick and mortar university, as we tend to call them, many of them have a crime scene house, which, and the crime scene houses are great, and they can practice some of that stuff there. The limitation with that is every student gets the exact same scene because there's only so many scenes you can create. The wonderful thing about the VR scene is number one, well, there are five of them now. Uh, and I know your modelers are working to kind of um, modify the scene so that we can move some of the deceased people around. Uh, we can change some of their characteristics, which changes up the scene for the students. But also the lab reports that come back on these, uh, one is a hanging victim. Well, is that a suicide or a murder? Well, the lab reports that come back can change that. So you can have two students with the exact same crime scene and different outcomes. So it, it, the, this VR capability just is amazing for the possibilities it gives our students. That's, that's uh, absolutely, uh, there's so much I want to respond to and I'll be brief because I want to get to Justin's, not my show. <laughs> but, um, you know, first of all, uh, one of the things you said is what we say a lot about our work. Victory XR is the place where online education intersects with hands-on learning, yes. which, which is the big piece that's been missing. Online remote learning is, is exploding. You look at what you guys are doing in Western Governors and Southern New Hampshire, all these schools, it's exploding, but you don't have that hands-on learning. And, and in some cases, it's so important. So that, that's the first response. The other thing is, you know, uh, no American wants to get on a plane where the pilot has not completed first the written learning material, second, uh, their, their, um, their simulation training, because how did Captain Sully Solenberger learn to land a plane when both his engines were out? It wasn't in real life, it was through a simulator. So, so that's what you guys have built with our team is this, this middle part before you actually have to go into real life. So I just think that is, is so important. So uh, Justin, Obviously, you've really done a fair amount of this in the real world. And, and what is your hope, um, you know, when you teach this, uh, what is your hope that the simulation can deliver to students? And, and just talk a little bit about how you intend to deploy it when you teach. Well, a couple things to, to circle back on. You know, there is a uh, concept out there that the mind cannot or the body cannot go where the mind hasn't been. So we can create these repetitions early on by identifying what the current field practices are within the profession 
we can simulate those to have your mind run through these analysis, to run through these objectives. So when you're out in the field, you feel more confident to do the job. As Susan was saying, being on a crime scene, having the first analysis, the first investigation is terrifying because if you make these uh, minor mistakes, they will become major issues down the road, three, four, five years, when you're in court testifying to what you did today. You don't wanna make those mistakes. However, we're all human, we will make those mistakes. But the confidence level going into some of these crime scenes can shift from, this is the first time being exposed to any of this, to I've seen it, I've had these discussions, I feel good about going in, and doing the job that's necessary to provide the evidence to a case that could provide guilt or innocence down the road. It's all very important. As for imploring these or uh, developing the opportunity for student success, we talked about online engagement and the traditional online school, which is usually uh, you post content, uh, there's reflection on the content, there's discussion on the content through two-dimensional forums. I'll post something, you'll reply to it, I will grade whatever you reply to. Virtual reality creates uh, further academic depth in the online learning environment. Now, we can have conversations uh, in these environments that we build with instructors synchronously, or we can expand that to have individuals go in on their own, have the repetitions, understand the failures, see the successes, and feel very confident moving forward as they continue on their academic practice. Let, let, before you move on, let's break that down. When you say synchronously, you know, it's a little bit of jargon. Maybe not everybody knows what you mean by that. Can, can you break that down a little bit further? Absolutely. So you can, we're in discussions of developing further spaces that we can bring in instructors and students all together at the exact same time and go through these processes in the virtual world. Asynchronous, we separate it. You can go in on your own time and you can be able to go through these steps, uh, these processes on your own and get the repetitions individually at 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 p.m., whatever your time zone is, and you can still have the same academic exposure. And, and so the, the ideal is to have the same crime scene with the option of doing either asynchronous single player or synchronous multiplayer and having the support absolutely yeah. okay and and um and i know i stopped you there and i want you to keep going but uh, i want to expand on a couple of uh things here so in this uh environment the students can go in and um, i know that part of our roadmap is to make this a performative assessment. Now, being a mere mortal, these terms were uh, a mystery to me. Uh, there, there are these different types of assessments that the curriculum specialists all talk about. So like, if you're filling in little dots on a multiple choice, A, B, C, or D, you know, they consider that to be like the lowest level of assessment. That's like for the cavemen. Um, and then you work your way up um, to different types, maybe uh, uh, an essay question is, is a higher level than, than the um, fill in the dots. But the, the, the highest level, they say, is when your test 
is actually you doing what you need to know, whether it's repairing an airplane or CSI or whatever, and everything that you get correct is recorded in your assessment so that at the end you did it 80%, 90%, 100% correct. Um, you want to talk a little bit about that as professors and, and, and Justin, I'll let you finish this and then Susan, I'd like you to uh, pick, pick up on that. I think Susan would be phenomenal at talking about the knowledge, skills, abilities, and dispositions that we have for each one of our classes to make sure that we're hitting these marks. Um, something I just would like to touch on is, you know, th this is the cutting edge of academics. And I was told early on in my career by a, a city manager, you always want to be on the cutting edge, never on the bleeding edge. So uh, we are defining how to uh, have these extensions to make sure that these marks are hit to show that we're still going back to our learning objectives uh, and to really expand our opportunities for our student base. Awesome. Susan? Yes. So uh, you are correct that we have been discussing the, the performative measures of the crime scene, what students are doing. Um, and the hope is that eventually the, the final exam per se for this class is, is a, a double half of it is how well did you do in your final crime scene? When you went in and you did your examination, uh, did you remember your gloves? Did you remember to test all of the possible blood stains? Did, did you remember to do everything you're supposed to do? Did you collect all the evidence and did you collect it correctly? With the other half being the report writing part, because as I said earlier, although it's not shown much in media, and, and for me, the, the show wasn't CSI, for me, the show was Quincy, but Quincy never wrote a report either. Um, yes, I'm showing my age there a little bit, but um, the report writing is, is so very important. So the other half of the final exam would be a written report on what the student did in the crime scene which is one of the reasons we've worked with, uh, with your people, with the, the designers, to make sure that the students, when they take photographs, they can get that offline. So they can use the photographs that they took of the scene, not only to submit those to the, to the professor to show, I know how to take photographs at a crime scene, I know how to document through photography the crime scene, but also to assist them in writing the reports that they have to write, which if you go to a crime scene in the real world, you write a report that one goes with the other. So it's, it's performative, but it's also evaluative. And it also will demonstrate to an employer, this is what I can do. And yes, maybe it was a simulation that I did it in, but I have this experience and I could do it more than once. That's awesome. And so that's that's very interesting, of course. I, you know, I, I will tell you, I did not realize that we were building in the uh, the ability to print off the photos offline. So that that's even better. Um, so let's let's um, sort of move to the next. let's let's talk about the actual. I mean, a lot of people listening are saying, well, this is awesome, but you know our students don't have VR headsets, blah blah blah. Um, and I think that's worth discussing. And one little bit of news, it's it's a bit speculative, but uh, all the leaks coming out 
suggest that, of course, Meta came out with their new Quest 3 to, to the public last week. And in 2024, they're coming out with a new VR headset that's better than uh, the Quest 2, but perhaps significantly less expensive than the Quest 2. And so, you know, that really opens it up to, you know, there, there are other headsets that are more expensive that, that might have a better fit in different places, but we all have been wanting a, a really affordable six-off headset for the, uh, for the market. So um, talk a little bit about access to headsets and how we're dealing with it now and how we hope to deal with it in the future, either one of you. Do you want to take this, Justin, or do I you can, want to take absolutely, it? absolutely, yeah. Take it. Uh, part of our uh, VR process right now, it's, it's a pilot that we have um, being one of the first 10 metaversities available. So we're, we're the first of 10, right? You have to, again, cutting edge, not the bleeding edge. We're trying to get ahead of a lot of this technological advancement to make it the best option for our student success. We do have partnerships as of right now in our pilot program where we will ship headsets uh, there has to be an agreement with these students that they will return them and that they are not going to uh, have any significant damage by any means but they are shipped to the student the student has access through the entire course they're sent a uh, return address label after the course concludes we're sending it back sterilizing uh, rebooting wiping out the current data so it's ready for the next students uh, course that they're taking you know what, what's interesting is i saw data and actually this data i think came from umgc that somewhere between seven and ten percent of existing students have their own headsets at home so if you're if you're a university like western governors with 130,000 students then you know that means you're going to have you know 10 to 15,000 students who already have them and you know at UMGC, I think uh, you guys have sixty to seventy thousand students in that range, uh, something like that, which would mean that you guys would have five thousand to seven thousand students who already have their own headsets. So you know this this issue it reminds me of when I was in college, Susan, um, and I was the very first guy, very first person on my dorm floor to have a personal computer. Everybody else had to trudge over to the uh, computing center, but I had a Commodore sixty four. But, you know, by the time I got out of law school, you know, I, not everybody had computers, but I would say at least half, if not two thirds of the law school class um, had their own personal computers at home. So this problem resolves itself pretty quickly once you create uh, demand through through more content and curriculum. And so I, I, I think you know, I'm hoping that UMDC and others will be able to very soon just say, okay, here's a, a, a completely online CSI course you can sign up for. Here is a CI, CSI course that requires a virtual reality headset. Only sign up with this for this one if you're going to have access to a VR headset. And I bet at that point, they, they call their parents and say, hey, listen, I'm sorry, but I got I to gotta buy a VR headset. And that's what I did to my dad. Hey, dad, I need a computer. So um, anyway, what, what are your thoughts on sort of that growth growing into the technology? Uh, uh, Susan, why don't you take this one? 
but actually, sorry, Steve, but I, Justin is, his expertise lies more in the, the tech part of it and okay. the VR. He's been in VR for a lot longer than I have. So I'm going to let, and he has some ideas that he's been talking about at the university. So I'm going to let him take this. Awesome. We have some ideas. Yes, uh, virtually enhanced courses. So you can take what you're used to. I mean, and, and we do offer uh, hybrid courses as well, where uh, you can be on site during uh, four days out of the eight weeks. And there's still the interaction with the professor. We have the completely online, which is bread and butter for UMGC. We're able to have our global reach. Uh, and then we are having this pilot, which is that virtual reality enhancement to uh, have these engagements with professors in a virtual space, and then we're doing the uh, the academics to include the process of CSI, and we have an astronomy class and several others that are running as well. The technology will catch up, and as it's catching up, it will become more available globally. We understand that. Uh, the downside is there is this current fear every time a new product comes to market from a uh, larger entity such as Apple, who is producing a new uh, VR experience uh, next year, I believe, for an amount of money that is outside of most budget, rather expensive. So when you're constantly being um, seeing these promotions of expensive headsets, uh, it, it reduces the likelihood of wanting to enter into this space to see what the opportunities are. As we continue to see the advancements in all areas, that price will come down and it will be more accessible for every student that wants to be able to have these experiences and the justification is going to be there. Yeah, and, and I, I think that good news out of um, these leaks, Correct. which, you know, the meta folks have not denied these leaks. Really, I think is is the next level where we we win we win the day. And you know, really, the question is, can we have enough content ready to go? And uh, we were able to demo with Meta at Educause in Chicago last week. You know, which is probably the top higher education ed tech conference in the United States. They built this beautiful expensive booth all around our chemistry lab because it was mixed reality it was passed through and, and for people who might not understand all these terms essentially with the with the quest three that just came out it's five hundred dollars we could see everybody around us you know if somebody's entering class leaving class whatever we could see everybody but then in front of me were these test tubes and beakers and and you know we were mixing cabbage juice with bleach and then cabbage juice with lemon juice and cabbage juice with other liquids and then there was a chart in front of you where you would uh, take the new liquid the mixed liquid and and measure it against the ph color chart but but here was what was really cool the pass-through vision was so good that in front of us was sitting a tablet in the real world and a pen in the real world. And then we were writing down the answers to the pH. So, so then at the end, I tore off my sheet, I handed it in and I got an A. And so, um, thank you. Uh, so but the point being is that, you know, in CSI, if we wanna do mixing and you wanna be in the same room, 
you know, if you're remote, VR is just fine. But if you are in the same room, being able to see each other makes a big difference. And so all of that coming together, I think, is, is really cool. So let, let's let's wrap up um, with, with a, a final question for both of you. Um, Susan, you're clearly the curriculum expert here. <laughs> I figured this out. Um, talk to me about, you know, we've got five units done. Where is it that you want to take uh, the content as we move forward? So there are, there are a couple different directions. So the one is adding the variety I was talking about earlier, um, changing a few aspects of each scene so that we can send three students into the same house and all three of them have a slightly different um, experience as they're in there, which would be amazing and awesome and would really add, Joseph was talking about academic depth. If they all have kind of a different scene that they can report back to each other on, that's wonderful. Cause that way you don't have three people reporting on the exact same scene with the exact same results and, and the exact same experience. The other part is something that we've been talking to the Victory XR people about, and that is uh, expanding the crime lab capabilities. Uh, right now in the scenes, you can develop the fingerprint. Okay, great. What happens to that fingerprint after that? What, where does it go? What's the experience of a fingerprint examiner after that fingerprint's been lifted? Uh, we've also been talking about a firearms identification lab so that you, uh, one of the scenes is a gunshot wound victim. One of the projectiles, one of the bullets is specifically left inside the body so that in autopsy it can be recovered. Well, what happens to that bullet? How do you, how do you examine that? And how do you identify the firearm it came from? Which is just an amazing experience. Uh, we've talked about bloodstain pattern analysis, which you can use to determine what happened in that scene so there are there are ways of expanding this and the the ksas i'm talking about being able to do bloodstain pattern analysis being able to figure out what happened at the crime scene from the investigation the fingerprints those are all ksas that most of the crime scene investigator jobs across the united states are asking for, are requiring to get a job as a crime scene investigator. So these are all such important aspects for yep. Victory XR to have as part of this experience. Well, and, and we have a, a five-year commitment to building the world's biggest and greatest CSI lab anywhere. And, and, and with this start, I'm confident we can, we can keep achieving it. You know, my job as CEO, is to keep everybody paid so so i got to make sure we're selling some of these uh licenses absolutely absolutely but i'm confident we can and and because of that we'll just keep you know every semester we'll roll out another uh iteration another addition to the uh, building if you will so justin um you're obviously approaching this a little different uh talk to us a, a little bit uh where do you see it going and, and what are your best hopes over the next, say, 24 months? 
Well, a couple things to hit on is this thing is advancing. There's a version 1.0, a version 2.0 where we're at today, version 3.0 where we want to be at tomorrow, and it is only getting better. Some of the things that we're having these conversations about consistently is do we have the subject matter expertise to make it as real as possible for the student to be exposed to what they would in the field of forensics? The second conversation is how do we make this world and this experience as uh, academically appropriate and make sure that the learning environment is in the right space for the student to excel. For the most part, courses are set up to hit checkboxes. I need to hit this objective to move on to this space to be able to hit this objective to get my final grade. And version 1.0 was I need to do one to get to two to get to three. The advancement where we're at today is I am in this environment. I feel as though I'm in this environment. I hear fire crackling from a fireplace when I go into these scenes. I see the ambiance. I see artwork. I see things that I would be exposed to in a real crime scene, which you may not even notice, but you would notice if it wasn't there. So we're advancing at a rate that is only creating an enhanced success for those that want to have field practical application when they finish their degree. And in the next 24 months, uh, part of the five-year plan is I have been here, I have seen it, I've been exposed. This is the best educational opportunity I've had to be successful when I graduate. I'm confident and I will be the best investigator I can because of these experiences. That's where I see this going. Yeah, that's awesome. And you make an extremely good point. And, and you know, you we're somewhat, we're always limited by the technology of today. So that the, the graphics chips and the uh, CPUs, the computer processing chips in the headsets are mobile chips, like very similar to those you would find in your phone. They're not really high-end, high-power graphics chips that you would find in a, in a $1,500, $2,000 computer. So, you know, part of the art and science of what our team does is they figure out how to take really advanced graphical rooms and squeeze them down so it can be processed uh, by the processors in those headsets. And, and as those processors get faster, as Qualcomm keeps developing better and better chips, we're going to become extremely detailed um, you know, maybe too detailed in CSI for some people. We'll see. Um, but but the reality is they need to get used to that anyway if they're going into into that world. So um, we're going to do the same thing in medicine and, and the whole deal. So I, I first of all, let me just finish by saying this. My team loved working with you. Uh, you were enjoyable, enthusiastic. So thank you. And um, we look forward to working with you in the future. We are really looking forward to this. We, uh, we've had a great experience working on this so far. Uh, your team, I come up with some outlandish things and I always tell your team, if this is too much, push back. And they've yet to push back with me. Awesome. So it's been great. It's great. I, I would echo that. This team is absolutely phenomenal to work with. Um, there hasn't been any item that they're not willing to attempt to accomplish 
And then when they accomplish it, it is far better than any expectation. That's great. Well, again, thank you. And uh, we will reconvene on this next year and uh, talk about version three as we roll it out. To all of our listeners, thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Victory XR show. Uh, Tune in next week. We've got a really cool guest or guests because it's not somebody outside the company. We're actually going to be talking to three people within Victory XR and how how they are making all of this happen. So uh, thank you, and we will talk to you soon.